Welcome to a breath of fresh air, celebrating the best in innovation and leadership from those that are creating a positive change in the events industry and beyond. A podcast provided to you by the Professional Conference Organisers Association. My name is Libby Ray and I'm delighted to be your host. Today we are welcoming Matthew Finlay. Matthew has worked across a variety of roles in numerous countries within the aviation industry since 1996. He is most known for his successes in the field of air service development, including building several Asian carriers into new and emerging destination markets. Matt has also worked to enhance other areas within the industry, including airport property development, retail services, corporate affairs, and airport capital investment delivery. Thank you so much for joining us, Matthew. Good to be here, Libby. Thank you for having me. Well, it's definitely been a wild ride over the last two years for the aviation industry, but let's dial it back to where it all began. Where did your passion start for the aviation industry and how did you really begin your journey? Well, look, it's a really interesting question, actually, because everyone's story is different. And what I find interesting about my story is that it was just one of those off chance um, occasions, really. I mean, I'd always enjoyed travel. My family, you know, we used to go on holidays and that sort of thing. So um, I got to the end of my first year of university and I needed a job. So I opened the Yellow Pages or whatever you want to call them. uh, and, And we used to have Yellow Pages books back in those days. And I was living in New Zealand at the time, studying, and uh, I put my finger down the list. And I looked at Air New Zealand and I thought, no, I don't want a job there. Uh, and then I came across Auckland Airport's address, and so I wrote them one letter. And after one letter was effectively an opportunity that's taken me you know, through th- almost three decades of employment in different areas around the world and you know, in different places. And so it was one letter that I wrote, and I've, I've always had a job in aviation since. Wow, that's a great story. It's almost like... Your perfect passion came to you by chance. It did. It was just one of those moments. That's fantastic. So I'm just going to move on to a couple of questions in relation to the aviation industry. What domestic and international airline trends are you forecasting for the future? Look, what is really uh, evident, uh, and it was actually an occurring trend prior to COVID and the pandemic, is that, uh, and certainly we've seen it when borders have been reopened and people are allowed to travel, and that is that you can now travel to a range of destinations directly from your local airport that you might not have been able to get to so easily in the past. Um, You know, Qantas, Virgin, they've all launched cities domestically in Australia. In fact, today, you know, Qantas has announced services to another destination in India. This is an amazing sort of occurrence that is, you know, happening at pace now, whereby both domestically and internationally, airlines are willing to fly to new places they've not flown to directly in the past. And so it allows you to sort of get to places more easily, uh, it allows you to experience new places, enables people to do business in different places that they've not been able to get to so easily in the past. So with the big changes in the number of people that are travelling now in comparison to 2019 numbers, how long will it take to sort of come back to those 2019 numbers where we're seeing the aviation industry having more stability around their business model or will it not actually come back to that? Yeah, look, I do think it will come back and I think it will come back to a 
trajectory that used to be in place um, for many decades prior to COVID, and that was a steady growth rate in the number of people that wanted to travel. And I think it will come back because people want quality interactions with other people. They want to visit places they've you know seen on television or heard about, or, or people have come from and, and experienced those places and want to experience themselves. Certainly, a lot of research has been done about why people want to travel and where they want to go to. And, they, and you know, what's always been the case is that people want quality interactions, you know, with the fauna or flora or, or natural environments. And you know, what's more evident now, I think, is people want you know genuine experiences that inspire them. And uh, when you're Working from home, as often as we all are, or have had, had experience in, in the last you know few years, an inspiring place to live that allows you to go other places in due course is also really important to them. And that sense of wonderful adventure that we all have inside our souls. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, we always want to be able to explore opportunities, whether it be with family or friends. And I think the other thing that's important for your industry is that, you know, people want inspiring places to visit or experience on top of the reason why they're going to the event that they're going to. With the forecast of things coming back to the numbers and the forecasting that we were looking at pre-COVID, how has the accessibility for flying changed or how will it change over the next years, including things like fuel prices rising and just overall the aviation industry dealing with the struggles of the last two years and needing to catch up? Is, are we going to see the accessibility to um, the majority of people change a little bit or do you think that the prices will sort of stabilise? You know, the one thing that's constant about aviation is that it, it has to continually adapt now and one i think they've done really well at is there's so many different moving parts in the industry itself that you know it's a really complex sort of business to be in and yet you know technology and other sort of aspects have really become uh, important to ensure that these industries or the airlines uh, in particular remain sustainable and so you know the question around fuel prices this is not the first time they've had really expensive fuel to to deal with right and so what they've had to do is adapt and they're slowly adapting uh, to more technologies, but faster in their application of those technologies. And so, you know, the new aircraft types that we're flying today, they were evolving two decades ago. They're getting more and more efficient. The the importance of, you know, fuel types, of course, um, always comes to the fore when we talk about um, fuel prices, but even more so now in respect to sustainability. That's a conversation that, that's starting to elevate in its importance in, in, you know, all consumers' minds. And I think coming back to that point of sustainability, with the aviation industry really having some of the biggest challenges when it comes to sustainability, how prevalent is that in the conversations that you're hearing in the industry and that you might be having with your colleagues? Yeah, look, at always in conversations at some point. I mean, most of the work that we do is talking to airlines and destinations, whether it be the airport or the destination marketing board or whatever consumers, uh, big pardon, um, businesses that are involved in, you know, growing services at new destinations. And, and it always comes up as a, as a point of, um, you know, how can we be different insofar as being more sustainable? Um, how can we be more appealing in, in the way in which we, you know, put in practice our sustainability? But one of the most interesting things is that they're always looking for the edge. 
And so airlines, you know, compete not only for the consumer dollar, but, you know, they're always looking for a particular edge in that space, which uh, makes them a point of difference insofar as, um, you know, a consumer choice that um, they choose to fly with that particular airline because they're more sustainable or perhaps have better practices than other carriers. That's a really good point. And just in relation to some other challenges that are coming up across the board, but very prevalent in the airline industry, and that's around staff shortages. Obviously, there that exists, and there's there's some huge challenges in the aviation industry currently with staff shortages. Can you talk us through how bad they are, and are there going to be staff shortages on an ongoing basis, or are we just really working through the challenges of COVID and uh, isolation, or have people really left the industry? A lot of people have left the industry. Uh, this is one of the big challenges of aviation, I think, in that you know this um, pandemic has really shown how challenging it is for this industry to survive when people aren't allowed to travel. And so it's not as a you know definitive career path as some people might have otherwise thought, you know. And so I think one things that we used to have prior to COVID was we did have things like pilot shortages on occasions, and that's why you know both airlines domestically here in Australia were setting up their pilot academies because they wanted to address that issue. And so I do think we do have at the moment a short term challenge whereby we're trying to bridge a gap between a lot of staff having left the industry and now being brought back in or being tempted to come back in. The challenge really now is though, these are skills that you learn over many years sometimes. And so having people skilled enough to fill certain segments of the business, as I said to you, it's a complex, you know, you know, sort of set of moving parts, that will be the short term challenge that a lot of uh, airline or aviation businesses will have. And it's not just airlines, it's the, the fuel, you know, that provides the, the aircraft the ability to fly. It's the, it's the catering, it's all things you know and um it's not just simply the the airlines themselves it's all the different parts of the ecosystem that makes it easy for us to travel it seems very complex to make it easy for us to travel doesn't it <laughs> we've taken it for granted for many years and you know but that's the beauty of what i think aviation is it, it allows you to jump on a plane at a whim and be somewhere else in a few hours and that's been the beauty of what this uh, industry is and for now, that's not necessarily always going to be the case, you know, for, for the moment uh, until borders do, you know, truly open and restrictions are removed. Yes, fantastic. It's certainly something that we have most certainly taken for granted. I know that I'm very much looking forward to picking up the travel bug once again. Absolutely. Now, with the last two years and their catastrophic impact on the aviation and the events industry, what do you think will be the future of group travel? Yeah, look, I think that will continue to exist in some form, just simply because it does appeal to certain segments. And I can imagine that some groups will be tempted to travel because it's in that environment. So, you know, I can think of perhaps um, my elderly parents who, you know, might prefer to travel in a group, other similar age groups. But I can also see that it could be a smaller group, perhaps or a group that you're more familiar with. And so in the event space, for instance, I can see perhaps, um, you know, you could encourage uh, smaller groups of travel from particular clubs or associations or business, um, you know, sort of uh, organisations. And so I do see there being some group travel continue. I mean, sports groups, for instance, they've continued to travel even during COVID. And so I do see that uh, that will continue to be the case. Um, it perhaps won't be in the you know the large volumes that we might have seen otherwise, but more specialised. And do you think it's still going to be very relatively straightforward and easy process 
for groups to be able to travel together or do you think there's going to be some additional restrictions around you know large travel group like groups or going to be a little bit more challenging to get access to planes or get access to seats are we going to have to start booking further out we need 100 people traveling from the other side of the world or you know are there some of those things we're we going to have a capacity issue the capacity that we used to have prior to COVID always had challenges insofar as large groups getting the amount of seats that they wanted. Uh, that might continue post-COVID. And the trick here, though, is talking to your airline partners about, you know, what capacity you want and, and when. And this is where I think, you know, your listeners in particular, I think, have a bigger play in the opportunity of actually getting more capacity into their destination than they, than they might otherwise think of. Because a lot of events is driven around, you know, uh, different occasions, and I'm calling it occasions loosely in the sense that it could be any number of reasons that people travel. And, and this is the thing about events. Generally speaking, they're higher value travelers than what you'd typically say as a tourist. And so because you book so far in advance, they're a valuable revenue stream for airlines. And so engagement with your airline partners very early on is always a key to having better access for group sales and also for those that are just generally traveling in, in large numbers anyway. Do you have a sense of the aviation industry and travel industry as a whole being more collaborative on the other side of COVID than previously thought before? Look, I think there'll always be these competitive tensions because we are competing in a global marketplace. You know, you know, different events held elsewhere occurs because there is some competitive tension that's created. So I think there'll be that sort of tension that will continue going forward as it has in the past. But I also do think that people realise through COVID and through the pandemic that working together is a far more easier way to convey to stakeholders, hey, look, the reason why we're engaging with you is because it's important to not only us, but also the stakeholders that have come on board with us insofar as this engagement that we might be having. So I think, you know, in the aviation sector and the you know, event space, um, the more partners, the better. And um, I think that is a really compelling story to tell when you're talking to, you know, a different client that you're trying to encourage to invest in an event or, or a destination. Have you seen any significant changes in the way we travel around the world coming to light over the last couple of years? Anything major standing out from you in terms of trends? A lot of us might be able to, uh, you know, associate with, with the following comments. I've known friends who've recently bought a caravan. And look, I think that's a common sort of trend that we're sort of seeing as a result of COVID, but also coming out of COVID and that people want to travel a little bit closer to home. And so in the Australian domestic market, for instance, you know, we've seen these new air services start. And then, you know, more recently, of course, uh, Bonds has come onto the scene. They're not yet started services, but they've already announced their intention to fly between the likes of Sunshine Coast and Mildura or, you know, Proserpine to the Sunshine Coast. And so what we're seeing here is that you might not necessarily need that caravan anymore because you will be able to travel, um, relatively speaking, closer to home than what you have in the past with ease. And that, I think, is the important thing, right? Um, because our own domestic borders have come down, once these flights are put in place, and, and of course Qantas and Virgin and Rex and, and, and many other carriers have also started very similar, shorter travel trips two different destinations that they couldn't or wouldn't fly before. And so that's a trend that we're starting to see. Another one that's become really evident is smaller aircraft. 
And so uh, the single aisle jets, you usually have, uh, you know, three seats on either side of the aisle, uh, you know, uh, typically uh, a twin engine jet. They're becoming more prevalent in, in both the uh, domestic space, but also, you know, closer to home on, on flights to New Zealand, the Pacific Islands, north of us and in, in Indonesia and places like that. And so these smaller aircraft are going to become more and more common around the country and certainly more regionally in Australasia. And so that allows you to, for instance, to travel to places like Sydney to uh, Fiji, which, of course, was a service that um, Qantas wanted to put in place just before COVID and have since, uh, you know, looked to get that back up again. But I can imagine, you know, you could have Jetstar services to uh, Samoa or, you know, Jetstar services to um, other places in Indonesia that they didn't fly to before. And I think the important thing here is that, again, touching on the point I made earlier, we'll be able to fly to more destinations with ease, but also more likely in a smaller aircraft, which allows us, you know, some sort of comfort in the sense of, you know, well, is there anyone else on board that could be sick? And, you know, there are people that have these concerns about COVID lingering in the in the community. So I think that's another element of it's not an A380, for instance, but certainly, um, you know, a common trend that we've seen more recently is people, um, you know, wanting to travel closer to home. And this new flexibility in the way that we can travel to new destinations with ease is really great news for the professional conference organisers, the industry and events industry, being able to create new experiences and be very creative in the way that we bring uh, new events to life. So it's fantastic to see that that change coming to us. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think the other thing that, to make the point here is, you know, smaller regional points around Australia, for instance, is and will see, I think, in the future going forward, a lot more direct air services to destinations they didn't have in the past. Uh, take, for instance, Newcastle, you can now get to Adelaide again uh, with ease. There's more air services to and from Hobart to different places around the country. And I think that's a really good example of you know how it is that um, going forward, we'll be able to easily travel between these different places. And for those in the events industry and smaller places, I think it's good news. What would you say is a positive that has come out of the disruption of the last two years for both in the aviation industry or for your business personally? One of the interesting things I think is, um, you know, as I mentioned before, become really obvious is the ability to pivot and make quick change because you've had to. And I think that's a good thing to be flexible in your work environment because you know, we've had to be uh, and we've had to adapt faster than probably what we would have otherwise. Um, but it's also forced us to look at, you know, what's really important here in, you know, in our businesses, you know, do we need those necessary costs that we had previously, you know, through COVID aren't so necessary anymore? You know, is there ways in which we can do things better? You know, can we invest better time elsewhere in, in being more productive? Um, certainly, you know, I've always worked from home for, for the last you know four years, um, so certainly prior to COVID, I was, it was something I was used to. But what I found working from home is that I've become to value being at home more often and enjoy where I live. And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind when when we think about our own personal circumstances. I've certainly learned I don't want to be joining the teaching profession, that's for sure. That would most certainly be a challenge. <laughs> My next question, which you've kind of answered, but I'd love to see if you've got anything else to add. What are some of the lessons that what can other industries that have been heavily impacted learn from the aviation industry and, and their reboot? Well, I think the, the really interesting thing here is looking at new markets that you might not have looked at before. And 
that might sound a bit odd in the sense that, well, isn't, you know, airlines always looking at new markets or the aviation sector, you know, per se. But I think in this current point in the pandemic where borders still are closed in, to some countries, Qantas, for instance, to give you a you know, relevant example today, is that they're flying to destinations or intending to fly to destinations that they've never flown to before. And I think that's a really good illustration of you know, thinking differently, trying to understand where new opportunities could be, and willing to take a risk. And so I think that's a really interesting way in which we could sort of surmise, you know, looking forward, how does an industry adapt and continue to adapt? And I think for event organisers, maybe it's an opportunity for those that are in, in that industry to think about new markets elsewhere, but also finding new partners to collaborate with. That's a great one. That's fantastic. I, I think that we have seen a lot of collaboration and, and innovation in the um, events industry over the last two years. And certainly some of the points that you've raised today definitely resonate with our industry and some great learnings in there. In relation to the aviation industry, I'd love to ask you, is there anything there that you just want to get off your chest that nobody, they just don't get it? Like, is there anything out there that you just want to let everyone know that's just wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the thing about this industry is really complex, you know, and the clever thing airlines have done is they've made it really easy. You know, I've traveled more recently overseas to the US and, and domestically, and it has become incredibly difficult to ensure that you're always, you know, on top of your game when you travel. You know, have I got not only my passport, but have I got my vaccination certificate? Is it in the right language that, you know, my arriving country needs it to be in? Have I done my PCR tests? Uh, and, and sure enough, you know, those things are starting to slip away in some jurisdictions uh, that people do travel to. But, you know, that, it is really complex. I mean, the simple things like, you know, uh, not many listeners would probably know that there's special grasses grown at airports so that birds don't land in them because birds and planes don't mix, right? You know, that's just a random sort of comment there. Most travellers wouldn't realise that you board on a particular side of the aircraft. Now, why is that? Well, the simple reason is that for safety and regulation rules over many decades, the airline and aviation industry have decided that you know, passengers will, will always be on the left-hand side of the aircraft and, and refueling and other sort of elements wherever possible will be on the other side just to separate passengers out from a safety perspective. But that's just two sort of, you know, really random sort of uh, comments that sort of, you know, underscores the complexity and the thinking that's gone into making sure that the industry is as safe as possible but also, you know, allows the most efficiency into the system to enable um, the airlines to survive. Wow, that's really cool. I feel like you've got some more in you. Maybe there's a book coming, The Crazy Things You Didn't Know About the Aviation Industry. (laughs) And they are crazy sometimes. You sort of think, wow, why is that? But actually, there's a very good reason for most of it. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad that all our safety has been thought of because it still does blow my mind that we fly through the sky. That's right. And those those engines, you put them on a house, the house would fly. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Let's hope someone doesn't try that. (laughs) No. That's right. Now, before we wrap up, each of our uh, podcast guests have been answering the same five questions and we'd love to to hear your thoughts on the next Fast Five. What is the best book of all time from your perspective? Any Lee Child book in my mind. Wow, fantastic. Uh, Greatest event you have ever attended? 
Yeah, look, the greatest event, um, probably my marriage. We had a great party and um, we were living overseas at the time. We came home for basically the wedding and it was just a fantastic time to be back together. Beautiful. I'm sure your wife will be very happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> um, your favourite city in the world. I bet you've been to a few. Yeah, look, I sometimes do find myself counting them on Facebook when they pop up. You know, how many have you been to? And look, I have been to quite a few, but and it is, it is really hard to pick out, you know, quickly uh, my favourite. But I do enjoy Champagne. And so Reims is a fantastic place that I enjoyed going to on one occasion. Wonderful. And what or who is your greatest inspiration? Look, I can't, I, you know, I honestly can't pick anyone or anything. But I, one thing I have noticed through the COVID is, you know, how resilient kids can be sometimes. And I think sometimes we can take a, a leaf out of their book insofar as, you know, brushing it off and just getting on with life. And um, maybe they have a, a more simplistic life than us adults, but um, they are rather inspiring sometimes. Tend to agree with that one. Absolutely. Now, I feel like I can maybe guess the answer to this question, but maybe I won't jump to conclusions. Would you rather climb a mountain or jump from a plane? Yeah, look, this is an easy one, right? I think you've already picked it for me, climb a mountain. I mean, why would you jump from a plane to start with? But anyway, you know, some of us need that exhilaration. <laughs> and um, look, you know, I, I think I always enjoy the outdoors, so I think that'll be fun. I would rather prefer to do a, a walk up a mountain than jump from a plane. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. You probably know a lot more about them than we do. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and now, Matthew, if anyone wants to reach out, connect with you, where could they find you online? Well, first of all, I'll be at the conference later this year, which I'm looking forward to, of course. So that's always a good time to uh, connect. And, and I hope people, you know, listeners do that. Um, that'll be great. But I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you know, I'm on our company Facebook page. Uh, we have our own company website. Um, we're a US and Australian based company. So um, just simply Google my name or um, company in, in Elevon Pacific and, and they'll find us. Matthew Finley, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Libby. As Matthew mentioned, we will be seeing him at the PCOA conference 11 to 13 December in Hobart. I wonder which airline you'll be flying, Matthew. Who will you pick? I've already had my bookings sorted for some time. I was very early, you see. I booked and got a good deal. I'm travelling with Virgin. I can't wait to see you all in Hobart. So um, hopefully you'll get there as well. I think it will be a great event. Yes, I think it's going to be wonderful and incredible speakers such as yourself. Thank you so much to, of course, the PCOA for making this podcast possible. My name is Libby Ray. We'll see you next week for another Breath of Fresh Air. Until then, be kind and stay connected. Thank you. Thank you.